News. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Peter says you don't need any higher knowledge. You don't need any additional information known only by the trained experts. You have everything you need on the pages of Scripture that reveal Christ. We have all the information pertaining to our new lives in Christ and growing in godly behavior. Now, I realize that for some, this is going to be a difficult pill to swallow. The answers really are there for us if we look for them with hearts open to God's leading. It's not like the story I heard once about a pastor who discovered an old friend lying drunk in the gutter one day. The pastor was shocked. He spoke to his friend. He said, Frank, what happened? You used to be rich. You need to get yourself home and open up your Bible. Just close your eyes and put your finger down in the Bible, and you'll find the answer. (laughs) Frank staggered away. Months later, Frank showed up at this pastor's church wearing an Armani suit, a gold Rolex watch, and driving a vintage Ferrari GTO worth almost $50 million. The pastor's eyes almost popped out of his head. Wow, he said, you sure turned yourself around. I owe it all to you, pastor, said Frank. I just did what you said, and there, under my finger, was the perfect answer. Chapter 11. (laughs) That's not how it's supposed to work. The Bible isn't designed to make us rich, nor is it designed for us to just stick our finger in a spot in the page and do whatever it says. But the Bible does contain all that we need for living lives that will please God. And whether we get rich or not, well, I guess that's up to him, isn't it? Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our topic for this series of lessons concerns God's provision for our spiritual growth. And our text is in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter opened his second epistle by saying that he was writing to those who had obtained saving faith like his own. Pastor Steve dealt with that in our last session, so let's continue from there, shall we? Here's Pastor Steve. Now in verse 3, he tells us that God has given us not only faith, but also everything we need for spiritual vitality and for godliness. Now, in practical terms, what this means is that every believer in Christ has the ability to live a victorious Christian life. That's what it means. There are no valid reasons for a Christian to be defeated by their sin. They may be defeated by their sin, but there's no valid reason for that. You and I have been given everything necessary to have a healthy spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. Now, the question is this, but if this is true, and that is what Peter says, I mean, I don't know how he can make it any clearer, but if it's true, and it must be, because the word says it, then why are so many believers defeated? And why are there Christians who just are not growing? I mean, that's reality. The answer is that while God has provided all we need to behave godly, many believers don't know where to find these provisions. In other words, God may have given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, but what are they and where are they? That's the answer. That's the question. The answer is found in the next phrase. Watch this. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, that's the fact. But where is it? Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now let's think about what Peter is teaching. He says that all we need for life and godliness has been given, he says, through the true knowledge or the full knowledge or the complete knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what's the true knowledge that Peter is referring to? 
It's the word of God. The word of God is the knowledge of Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. What you know about Jesus Christ, you know from the word of God. This is his word. This is, I know there's a book in the Bible called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, but what I'm referring to is the whole Bible in its entirety. It is the revelation of what God has to say about his son. And that's why, notice, Peter concludes this verse by stating that this is the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. In other words, when Jesus called you to come to him for salvation, he called you through his word. Because his word reveals the truth about him. His word reveals his glory, that he's more than a man. He's the glorious one. He's the excellent one. He's the all virtuous one. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The truth about Christ is revealed in the Bible. And the Bible gives us all the vital information we will ever need to live godly lives. You see, what Peter is is stating is what others in our day uh, have called the sufficiency of of scripture. We call it that. Peter says all things pertaining to life and godliness, but he's talking about the sufficiency of scripture to deal with every spiritual issue related to godly behavior. Not only did Peter state this, but the apostle Paul stated this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now this is a, uh, and you, you should see this because this is not only a declaration that all the Bible is the word of God, it is a strong statement about Uh, not only that scripture is inspired, but where and why it is profitable, how it is profitable. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. That means that everything that you have from Genesis to the book of Revelation, all that's down on, on the pages of scripture, whether it's in black and white or a red letter and white, all scripture, every scripture, every word is, has been breathed out by God. God is the primary source. Paul doesn't tell us how it got on the pages of Scripture. He's just telling us the fact of it. All Scripture is inspired by God, but not only is it inspired, because it's inspired, it is profitable for teaching. That's why we teach the Word of God. We teach doctrine. That's what he means here. It's profitable for reproof. The Word of God reproves you. It tells you where and how you've sinned, but it doesn't just leave you there. The Word of God is given also. It's it's profitable for correction. It not only tells you where you've gone astray, it tells you how to get back on the road. It corrects you, but it's also profitable for training in righteousness, righteous behavior, godliness, so that, here's the purpose, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. God has given you everything you need for righteousness revealed in his word, his inspired word. That's the purpose for which he gave it, to lead you to Christ and to help you to walk with Christ. Now, I think that Paul is very clear. I think Peter is is absolutely clear. But I want you to know there are, and, and it's almost to me ludicrous to even say this, but it must be said, there are many Christians who do not agree with Peter and Paul. Now, they wouldn't say it that way. They wouldn't be quite as bold or blatant to say that. But they do not agree. They must not agree because they feel that while the Bible tells us the basics of how to be saved and how to deal with some issues in life, they would also say it is not capable of telling us how to deal with the really complicated stuff in this modern age. It isn't capable of telling us how to deal with the really difficult things that come with the modern high-tech world that we live in. That is exactly where many Christians are coming from. They would tell us the Bible can't help us with difficult marriage conflicts, maybe basic stuff, but not real difficult stuff. Raising our kids in a harsh and and tempting world, they would say, no, 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 the Bible doesn't address that. 
They would tell us the Bible won't help you if you're depressed. The Bible will, won't help you get out of sexual misconduct. They would say the Bible doesn't address a low self-image or eating problems or a midlife crisis or addictive behavior. They would say the Bible is not sufficient for that. And so because they don't see the Bible as sufficient to help them in these areas and others, they seek answers outside of the Bible. And that's why there's been such a rise of psychologists and counselors in our day. Because people have problems and they're seeking answers to their problems. And we understand that. But when Christians look to psychology for answers to behavioral issues, then the church has really embraced a form of neo-Gnosticism which is exactly what's happening because those trained in this field are looked upon as an elite core who possess the kind of knowledge needed to help people deal with their problems. See, this is not different at all from the Gnosticism of Peter's day. Not different at all. And that's precisely why Peter wrote verse 3, because they faced the same problem. He was writing to instruct Christians who were being intimidated that they needed the elite information. They needed more to become spiritual, that what they had about Christ would help them be saved. Yeah, but they, it wouldn't help them to grow. And so they needed instruction that they, Peter says, you don't need any higher knowledge. You don't need any additional information known only by the trained experts. You have everything you need on the pages of scripture that reveal Christ. We have all the information pertaining to our new lives in Christ and growing in godly behavior. Now, I realize that for some, this is going to be a difficult pill to swallow. Perhaps, and there are reasons, perhaps you have a son or a daughter or some relative who, who is a psychologist, and it's very difficult to hear this. Perhaps you've spent a great deal of time and money on some kind of psychological therapy, and it's hard to hear a pastor who has never been trained in psychology debunking the whole field. I realize that that's difficult. So maybe it'll be a little more palatable, a little more credibility, uh, have a little more credibility if an honest, not psychologist, but psychiatrist who is beyond a psychologist addresses the issue. One such psychiatrist is Dr. Gary Almey, who is an associate professor of clinical psychiatry at the Loyola University School of Medicine, and he's the associate uh, chief of the medical staff at an Illinois hospital. Dr. Almy is an experienced psychiatrist with over 25 years experience, and he's written a new book entitled How Christian is Christian Counseling? And, and lo and behold, I happen to have a copy right here. Now, in the introduction of this book, and it's a new book, it's just been published for a few months. In the introduction of this book, Dr. Almy shares his own testimony about psychiatry and its forms of therapy. And uh, I want to read it to you. It's a little bit lengthy, but uh, I don't think you'll be bored at all by what he has to say. Well, sit back and listen. His own words. He writes, I chose psychiatry as a career during my years in medical school at the University of Nebraska. I immersed myself in the scriptures of Freud and his followers and was convinced that psych, uh, psychoanalysts or psychoanalysts was the epitome of medical and intellectual achievement. I went to California for my specialty training and in my first year of residency was faced with the, with the scientific flaws in psychotherapy. Everyone's favorite teacher in that training program was a research-oriented atheistic psychiatrist who consistently pointed the residents in training toward what he believed was a medical scientific approach to the human mind. My Freudian foundations began to crumble as I was unable to refute scientifically my teacher's thesis that psychoanalysts and psychotherapy 
were religious superstition rather than science. I finished the specialty training and passed the board certification exams. Trying to ignore the scientific approach to psychiatry so that I could begin earning a good income as an insight-oriented psychotherapist. The talking therapy aspect of my practice produced enough income to purchase a Ferrari. Maybe those were his keys over here, but I don't think so. The patients and their families were largely convinced that I was leading them toward insight into the why of their lives. They were awed by my powers as a therapist and were supposedly discovering how the traumatic experiences in their past explain their present difficulties. They paid their costly therapy bills and wanted to keep coming for the hour of talk. I gave lectures on anorexia and other psychological disorders, spreading the word as to what psychiatry had to offer. In retrospect, I was giving just enough. Now listen to this. I was giving just enough of the secret language and secret knowledge of psychotherapy to let the listeners believe I really had answers. This was not a conscious deception at the time, but now I realize that I was truly the blind leading the blind. In spite of all my worldly success, I could not get away from the increasing conviction that the talking therapy aspect of my psychiatry practice was an abysmal failure. It was obvious that nothing really changed with these patients and that they, that they either moved from one therapist to the next or became too old or impoverished to continue the hopeless quest for a cure. I can now look back and thank God for the inexplicable conviction by the Holy Spirit that made me increasingly uncomfortable with psychotherapy. He goes on then to speak about his own spiritual odyssey and how he has come to faith in Christ. I won't read that to you, but I'll pick it up after he's come to faith. He said, slowly but surely, I began to see the dissonance between what I had been taught about the human mind and what scripture has to say on the subject. It took time, but I could not ignore the gross incompatibility of insight-oriented psychotherapy with the care of souls as shown in scripture. Increasingly, the difference seemed not only significant, but of, but of fundamental importance to the transmission of the gospel described by Paul as the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Peter wrote that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. I concluded that my study of psychiatry had led me away from life and godliness, but that a loving and merciful God had used that experience to cause me to despair of mankind's efforts to achieve life. Aware of the tremendous increase in the number of Christian counselors in recent years and aware of the nature of the training most of them receive, I began to wonder how Christians could claim a need to add Freud to Scripture. Why are evangelical seminaries, colleges, and even churches increasingly populated by psychologists? I began to wonder just how Christian, so-called Christian counseling really is. The church needs to, con to examine the theories underlying counseling Psychology, it needs to examine counseling psychology's claim to be an effective and scientific method of solving human problems. Listen to what he has to say now very closely. He says this, the belief that psychology is simply a part of God's truth outside of scripture needs serious evaluation. Does psychology really fill in gaps not covered in scripture? Is counseling psychology really even a science? It does not require great intellect to see that counseling psychology has no base at all in rigorous empirical science. It is a house built on subjective notions that cannot be measured. It is applied speculation, and its claim to have discovered a scientific truth is a lie. 
Sadly, this false claim that counseling is a science continues to be actively promoted in the church. Worse yet, many within the church seem not to care that its scientific claims are false. It has become too useful in numbers and finances. The church shows no inclination to separate itself from the destructive body of doctrine underlying counseling psychology. Instead, it seems to actively suppress any attempt to expose the truth in this crucial area. This is a book worth getting. It's called uh, How Christian is Christian Counseling. It's worth reading. Uh, it's, it's outstanding. Now, the point is, is not, the point in reading that is not so much to, to point you away from psychology as much as it is to point you back to the Word of God. That's, that's the point. And I wanted someone with his credibility to say this, but even if he wasn't around, Peter tells us the truth. And it's interesting, in the early service, one of the, uh, one of our, our women after the, the church service came to me and said, I want you to know that's exactly true. I have spent so much money and time and years going to psychologists and psychiatrists, and they didn't help me at all until I came to know Christ and understood what the Bible has to say. So, so even here in our own midst, there's a, a testimony of, uh, of, of the fact that what Peter is saying is absolutely true in experience. Now, I want to point you back to the Word of God for all the help you need in dealing with life's difficulties and challenges. And you may think, but wait a minute, I've read the Bible and I don't see the Bible directly addressing my situation. Well, I think that's very honest. We have to say the Bible may not and does not address directly every type of situation we face. However, by its context, the Bible does address by its timeless principles, and truths, every type of behavior in response to life's difficulties. It's all there. It may not directly address an addictive type of behavior, but it addresses idolatry. It may not address your specific phobia, but it addresses fear. In its principles, the Bible does address every type of behavior and response to life's difficulties. In in the year 2001, I, I was just thinking about this, I will be 30 years old in the Lord. I came to know him in 1971. I think that's right, isn't it? I'm real bad in math, but I think that's that's right. 30 years old in the Lord. I've known Jesus Christ for almost 30 years. And I want you to know by my own testimony, I have never experienced, I've never known of any situation in all of those years and in all of, of crisis and problems and difficulties, I have never known the Bible to not address exactly what I needed to hear in terms of my behavior. I have never experienced anything in which I felt like I needed to go beyond Scripture. In 30 years, and, and listen, the next, the Lord gives me another 30 years, there's, there's nothing else outside of Scripture in terms of behavior that the Bible is going to, or, or nothing outside of Scripture that will address these issues. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible does tell us about the difficulties in a marriage. The Bible does tell us about attitudes and and motives. It does address fears. It does address worries. It does address idolatry. It does address responding to people, difficult people, nice people, all kinds of people. It does address employment. In fact, tonight, if you come back for Colossians 3, we're going to deal with employment and what the Bible has to say about that. It does deal with suffering. It does deal with comfort. It it does deal with death. It does deal with wisdom. It deals with everything. You and I need to know pertaining to life and godliness. You don't need anything else. So Peter starts off his letter by a strong statement as to the sufficiency of God's revelation, his word, which he has provided to inform us of how to live a godly Christian life. Now, you need to get into the word. You need to see what it says. It's not a magic book. 
It doesn't help you if you don't read it. It doesn't help you if you don't apply it. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll look more at that. But listen, just knowing the Bible, just knowing, uh, even studying the Bible does not assure any of us that we'll be growing and maturing spiritually. Just information alone won't cut it. We do need something else to help us to, to obey what God has revealed. And that's why Peter tells us that there's a second provision God gives. It would not help us if we just had information. We'd need that, but we need something else. So the first provision is divine revelation, which is the Bible. The second provision for our spiritual growth is a divine nature. Divine nature. This is spelled out for us in verse 4. For by these... He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, in order to follow Peter's line of reasoning, we do have to ask ourselves right off the bat an important question. He states at the beginning, notice at the beginning of verse four, by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Question is, what are the these he's referring to? By these what? He tells us that Christ has given us precious and wonderful, magnificent promises. But by what? By what has he given us? Well, look back at verse 3. And you'll notice that the last two things that Peter mentions in verse 3 is this. He said, Christ has called us by his own glory and by his excellence. That's what he's talking about. That's the these he's talking about. When Jesus called you to come to him for salvation, he did it by attracting you to himself by his own character. That's what Peter means by his own glory and by his excellence. You may not have realized this, but you think back in your Christian experience, you were attracted to his character. You read about him in the Bible or perhaps someone told you about Christ and you came to realize that Jesus Christ was more than a man. That Jesus Christ was the glorious, perfect Son of God, God the Son, the epitome of all virtue and excellence. And you knew that you wanted him. You knew that you needed him because you were a sinner. He was perfect. And you may compare yourself favorably to other people, but when you compared yourself to Christ, you knew that you had fallen short of the glory of God. And you needed him as your Savior and Lord. You were drawn to him because of his moral attractiveness. You know, uh, my personal testimony centers on reading the Word of God. I... um. I had a friend who witnessed to me, but I, in my arrogance, when I was a freshman at the University of South Florida, I liked this fellow, so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be too nasty to him. I was just a little obnoxious to him, but I said to myself, I'm going to go get a Bible, and I'm going to read the New Testament, and I'm going to then refute my friend. I'm going to give him an intelligent answer as to why I reject Jesus Christ. But lo and behold, I got into the Bible and I was astounded with this wonderful person. That was the first thing that, that God used to impress upon me, not even my own sinfulness right away. Pastor Steve didn't find what he thought he would find in the Bible. He found what God wanted him to find. In Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11, God said, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When we read God's word, it will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish in our lives. Thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in or near Clearwater and looking for a place to worship, 
I invite you to investigate Lakeside by calling 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. Today's program was the middle part of a three-part message kicking off Pastor Steve's series about God's provision for our spiritual growth. If you missed part one, you can listen at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You'll find all of our previous broadcasts on our message archive page, and there's a giving page if the Lord is prompting you to help support this ministry. And if you are giving to support Verse by Verse, I want you to know that we're grateful. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. As Pastor Steve said, God has given us all we need for godly living. Much of that is found in our Bibles, but much is also found in the new natures He gives us at the moment of salvation. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. There's a lot going on right now.